Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. When the ministry of Jesus started, well, nobody really expected it to go from its grassroots movement to what it became. Like nobody expected it because when you begin to take all the things that represent the early part of Jesus' life, there's not much really to hang your hat on. Virgin, a carpenter, Bethlehem, a manger, shepherds. I guess there were some wise men and some death threats. Then they're on the run, and then they're in Nazareth. Then we see a glimpse. He's at the temple, but he's 12. But everybody went to the temple. And then we see him, he's 30. He's at a wedding, a wedding for a poor couple, a young, just getting started, driving mom and dad's old car, wedding, poor couple. They don't even have enough wine for the party. Jesus shows up, turns the water into wine. There's really not much there. Like, that's the first 30 years of Jesus' life. Like, you've done more than that, most of you. I mean, maybe not the miracle, but... Then all of a sudden, something happens. He begins to go around and preach and teach and spread positivity everywhere he goes, encouraging people, touching people who you're not supposed to touch. Loving people you're not supposed to love. Healing people. And the crowds just grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. And people followed him everywhere. Nobody would have saw this coming. He just showed up and everything just kind of changed. And people surrounded him everywhere he went. So much so that at one point, he is coming down the the bank of the Sea of Galilee. And the people are crowding around him so much so that he's almost pushed into the water. They're in front of him. They're, they're walking in front of him, backwards. You know, hey, Jesus, can I talk to you about this? Hey, Jesus. And he's just talking to these people and loving these people, being a positive force in their life. Finally, he's up against the sea, heels maybe dipped into the water a little bit. Like, I just got these sandals, you know? And they're all wet. People, and he looks over. That's, this, this is the day that Jesus stole a boat. He really didn't steal it. He commandeered it. He looks over and he finds a boat just sitting over there. It's a fishing vessel. And he climbs inside of it. It's a really funny interaction because the guy that owns the boat and the business is just up the bank a little bit with his nets and his employees and they're all up there washing nets and fixing nets. They just got back from fishing. They didn't catch anything. Thus, this is why they're washing their nets and fixing their nets. 
Nothing. And the guy that owns the boat's name is Simon. And Simon turns around and he looks over his shoulder. Here's the commotion in the crowd. And he looks up and then all of a sudden, this guy, this little roaming rabbi guy, has commandeered his fishing vessel. Well, I don't know if you know this or not, but have you ever seen a group of guys when somebody goes over and starts messing with some piece of equipment or vehicle of theirs? Not one guy just goes. It's just not one guy. Like, is that dude messing with your truck? Yeah, come on. Let's get him. Like, then it's not like, well, just go handle it. No, everybody goes. All of them go. And Jesus is inside this boat. Simon walks over like, can, uh, can I help you? I think it's just Jesus' personality. I mean, maybe it's my own mind, but I think Jesus looked at that as an invitation. Hey, look, can I help you? Oh, yeah, that, you could be great. Could you back me out a little bit into the water? Just a, just a little bit. I just, I'm kind of trying to talk to these people, and uh, Simon's looking at him, and all these guys are standing there looking at each other like, you're going to back him out of the water or what? And you know the one clown guy that's always in the group? Well, back him out into the water. It's your boat, you know? He's like, you're an idiot. Just back him out in the water. She's like, man, I really appreciate it. See, I'm trying to talk to all these people, but I'm kind of just in a tight spot right here. Yeah, we weren't doing anything. That's me. Sure. They climb aboard. They don't want him to get away with it. They climb aboard. Back the little boat out. Just drop anchor right here. Like, we're in like four feet of water. Yeah, this is all I need. Just right here. Just right here. And he begins to teach the people. These fishermen sitting in a boat like. Remember when churches used to have like the deacons who sat on the stage the entire service? You remember that? There was these pews and the deacons and the other people would sit on the stage and they would look out there the whole time. It was really kind of hard to get away with sleeping or fooling around or whatever you're doing out there. Because you got not just the preacher's eyes, but you got like four deacons. One of them is typically asleep, sitting in the deal, you know. And these fishermen are in this boat listening to Jesus teach. Sun's bearing down on them. They've been fishing all night long. They're exhausted. And Jesus begins to teach. You know what? The kingdom of God is like a farmer. <laughs> and these guys are like, a farmer. The kingdom of God is like a farmer. Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, it's like a farmer. It's like there's path people, you know? Path people. There's like rocky people. There's kind of thorn and thistly, prickly people. And there's real good soil. It's kind of like that. The kingdom of God is kind of like that. And the farmer goes out and he throws seed and he scatters it everywhere. I don't know if you know this or not. I'm not a farmer, but I can tell you, I can tell you this much. You don't throw seed everywhere. You know where you put it? Where you plowed. You put it where you work the dirt. That's where you put it. Not this guy. He must be new. <laughs> Just slinging seed everywhere. And Jesus is talking about this farmer. He says, the kingdom of God is like a farmer. And it's kind of interesting because it's kind of like the farmer is God. This reckless type of farmer who just throws seed everywhere. Indiscriminate. I don't think you worked over there. I don't care. Sling it. Jesus said, that's kind of what the kingdom of heaven is like. Fishermen are over there rolling their eyes like, this guy is not going to make it as a preacher. He's not going to make it. 
And he said, but I'm serious. Like, it's kind of like that. Some people are like a path, hard. They're just hard. And you could throw seed out there, but you know what happens. It just sits there on the, on the dirt. Somebody comes by and they kick some of it over. Birds fly down. They see it. It's easy to see on a path. They peck it, take it all away. Word of God never, ever penetrates their heart. And then you got rocky people. You know, you can plant some stuff in rock. It's kind of cool when you see stuff planted in rocks, pretty flowers coming up out of rocks. Because there's a little bit of dirt in there in the sidewalk crack. You can see a little bit of dirt, but it doesn't last long in there. Jesus begins to tell this, this parable. You know, there's like sidewalk crack people, like rocky soil. There's a little bit of soil, but it just can't grow there. There's just not the depth you need for the Word of God. Because when the Word of God moves in, it's just, it's just, it, requires, it requires so much. You really have to be a deep a deep person. And then you got the vine people, the thistles, the thorns, the prickly ones. You know the type. Their lives are so out of control. They're overwhelmed with worry. They're overwhelmed with wealth. They're overwhelmed with selfishness. And then what they do is they worry about their wealth and then they spend money on their selfishness and then their selfishness makes them feel guilty and then they begin to worry and then they try to get out of the cycle with buying something. Just a mess. And Jesus says, you could throw seed in the thistles, but you know what happens? God's word, like these seeds, moves into it. And as it begins to grow up, all these other things that you care about, all these other things, choke it out. It's a bad deal. But rich black soil, the good stuff, you put seeds in there. It'll give you a return on your crop 30, 60, even 100 times more. Wow. Those kind of people, those are people who are prepared. They're open. They live with a constant sense of hope about life. Always looking. They haven't stuck all their stakes in the ground and say, this is the way things are. I've stuck it all here. Everything fits inside the box. There's this constant hope of hearing from God on some level. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. Go forward to hearing from God. Those people, when that seed hits that soil, my goodness, shoots out of the ground. All afternoon, he told these parables. A lot of them about farmers. A lot of them about seeds. The fisherman is <laughs> sitting over here like, if he keeps talking, we're not going to beat the John the Baptist to Pizza Hut. This is not, no how in the world we're supposed to do it. Like, this is really, this guy talks a lot. And then he concludes his message, which I don't know how Jesus concludes his message. If you go to some, of the, some different types of churches, when they finish up their sermons, they say, amen. And then they walk off where they, give some sort of, they always held their hands like this, and they give a, like a speech or a poem or a, a doxology or a, I don't know. I don't know what Jesus did. Maybe he was like, <laughs> I probably not. I don't think he was, I don't know how he would have finished it, but he finished it. And then he turns around to the fisherman and <laughs> he says, hey, what do you say we venture out into deep water, let the nets down for a catch? 
I wonder if Simon thought, nobody even uses that phrase anymore, let the nets down for a catch. It's not even, maybe he thought, you're a carpenter, all right? Why don't you leave the fishing to us? You take care of the whatever it is you take care of, okay? And maybe it was this Jesus look on his face, just that hopeful, excited, hey, I got an idea. What do you say we go fishing for a little while? And Simon Peter responds, look, here's the deal. Uh, we were fishing all night, and we caught nothing. Jesus has got that grin. Yeah? Simon says, but if you want to go fishing for a little, I, I mean, I, okay. Okay. And they venture out into deep water. This is the first thing you should know. Jesus has a strange way of commandeering your life. <laughs> you know? He just commandeers your life. You look up, and he's in your boat, and you don't know why. And you think to yourself, I got plans. And he says, me too. Like, my plans are different than yours. I know. Isn't this going to be fun? No. No, I'm trying to do something different with my life. Oh, I know, but we should go together. I don't think you'll like where I'm going. I don't think you're going where you think you're going. Jesus just steps in and commandeers. Just take a little bit of inventory of your life. How did you end up here? I don't mean here, but I mean where you are. That now this is important. How did you get here? On your own? Woke up one morning, thought, you know what? I need to be more disciplined. I need to start going to church. Now you met somebody, then you met somebody, and then you met somebody, and then you met somebody. And then somebody said something about this, and then you had this feeling on the inside that maybe you should do a thing, and maybe you should call someone or interact with someone, and then you showed up. How did you get here? How did I get here? I'll tell you how I got here. Commandeered. I looked up, and he's in the boat. on the way out to the deep water, which you need to know anytime Jesus invites anybody, commandeers a boat and says, hey, what do you say we venture into deep water? What he's talking about isn't deep water. What he's talking about is, let's get in over your head. And when he says, let our nets down for a catch, he's not talking about let's let our nets down for a catch so that we can catch some fish. What he's talking about is he's about to capture your heart. Hey, Simon, what do you say we... Venture out into deep water. Let the nets down for a catch. <laughs> Simon's like, <sighs> what Simon doesn't understand is that his whole life is about to change. They get out into deep water and they let the nets down and you can see that Simon is just like, <sighs> we just came from here. Like just a minute ago. Before the sermon, we were here. Throw the nets out. The guy throws the net out on the other side. The guys begin to row. They're trying to kind of scoop a little bit. And all of a sudden, everything in the boat is jarred. 
The guy in the front looks back to the back and he says, what's going on? We, we, we hung up on something? Yeah, hold on a second. Gives the net a tug and the tug gives the fisherman back, you know? The net says, this guy looks up at the front guy with this look of like, something is going on. The water begins to excite. The bubbles begin to kind of come up. He gives it another tug. Another guy from the, from the front comes running to the back and he leans over and all of a sudden you can see everything that's going on inside this net. It is teeming with fish. So much so, we've got a little additional weight. I don't know how much Jesus weighed, but now there's more fishermen because Jesus is in the boat now and now we've got fish. So the boat is sitting a little bit deeper in the water and it's kind of coming up to the edge and the guys are looking at it like, are we going to sink in this thing? Shut up, pull the net in, and they begin to pull, and the nets begin to break, and the fish are just kind of flipping out of these little holes, the ones they just fixed on shore just a minute ago, and they begin to tug and tug and tug, and they begin to pull all these fish into the boat, so much so that the boat begins to sink. Now you've got a whole boatload of fishermen, got a whole boatload of fish, got a bunch of broken nets. We're not even going to be able to get our fish or our fishermen or our boat back to shore. There's another boat nearby, and they begin to call out to this other boat. Hey, 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 come here. The other boat pulls up. They said, my goodness, you guys really got into the fish. That's a good fish. Then they're saying all the things. That's a good fish. Throwing fish into the other boat. Both boats are now filled, and we still got fish in the nets. Both boats begin to sink. It's kind of one of those perfect tragedies, like that's a good problem to have, except for we could all die out here. Do we throw back the fish? Well, of course you don't throw back the fish. Throw out one of those fishermen, but you don't throw out the fish. And Simon Peter turns and he looks at Jesus. And Jesus, I think, is up on the front holding on like this, just smiling real big. That's a lot of fish. That is a whole bunch of fish. And Simon's in the back looking at him like, what in the world? And they keep bringing fish in, and Simon makes his way up towards the front of the boat, and he falls down on his knees, and he looks at Jesus, and he says, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. What would cause a reaction like that? Because it's a strange reaction. What would cause a whole boatload of fish? I tell you what, if I ever get into a whole lot of fish, you know what I think? I must be doing something right. I must be living good because I'm catching fish. Not Peter. He catches a load of fish and he thinks to himself, my goodness, this is not normal. Falls to his knees. Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. What would cause a reaction like that? I'll tell you what I think it is. An interview with Tom Brady a couple of years ago. 60 Minutes is talking to him. And they say this. You're the world's most eligible bachelor. You have three Super Bowl rings. Can you go out and eat dinner? He said, if I feel like putting on a happy face. They said, with all this money, everything that you've got, 
Like, isn't this exactly what you wanted? He said, I thought it was exactly what I wanted. But here I am. Three, so, three Super Bowl rings. And I know there's people out there who are thinking, man, this is, this is exactly what you, want, what you want in life, and you went for it. He said, but I'm over on the other side, and I'm thinking, God, there's got to be something else. You know what's worse than never, ever, ever reaching your dreams? Is to find out they're terrible and they suck. To find out that they mean nothing. There's only one thing worse than not meeting your goals. That's to find out your goals were so meager. And you thought they were going to change your life. And they didn't. That's worse. And here's Tom Brady in the boat the biggest catch he's ever made in his entire life. Simon Peter, looking at all these fish and finding out this is, you know what the problem is? The problem is this. It's not that your dreams are too big. It's that your dreams are so small. That's the problem. That's the problem. You have come under the curse, under the lie, under the spell of the world that says you're never going to achieve very much. And that means you have to count God out of that thing. And then you count God out of that thing. And then you look as high as you can look, which is not very high. And you set these goals, these high and lofty goals, which is funny because think about it. Your high and lofty goals exist inside of your own mind. Like they're limited. But God's high and lofty goals are unlimited. That's what causes somebody to fall down and say, go away from me. I am a sinful man. My plans are terrible. You see, it's one thing to be commandeered by Jesus. It's another thing to be crushed by him. To find out that your goals and your dreams and your ambitions and your plans and your ideas are all going to be crushed by Jesus. Oh, you want this? Here you go. Do you love it? No, I'm, I'm a little let, little let down by it. You see, this world cannot satisfy you because you were created in a different place. Your capacity for satisfaction cannot be met here. Here is Peter, Simon Peter, his hole-in-one, his championship trophy, his Super Bowl ring, the greatest catch ever, and he's on his knees wet among all these fish, saying, go away from me. I am a sinful man. He is crushed by Jesus. Let me tell you something. He'll do the same to you. He'll do the same to you. You will ask him for something, and he will give you something. And you know what he will do? He will let you find the end of it. That's the worst, isn't it? You ever chased something so hard, and you knew that was the thing that was going to make you happy, and then it didn't? You think to yourself, what a waste. And he just gives it to you, and he gives it to you, and he gives it to you. Oh, Lord, I would love to have a relationship with this person. I would love to go to that place. I would love to achieve this in business. I would love to be this kind of person. And then you do it. I want this kind of body. I want this kind of money. And then you get it. And then what? You're not satisfied. You're never satisfied. He gives it to you so that he can just crush you with it. Here it all is. Are you satisfied? Of course you're not. 
He had quite a long while to think on the way back to shore. Simon Peter sitting in the back of the boat looking at Jesus like, what are you doing in my boat? How did you get in my boat and screw up my life in a matter of minutes? How did you do that? Jesus is smiling. That's a lot of fish, huh? He's like, this guy, wow. They begin to ask him, they say, hey, we didn't understand that parable. What about the weeds and the things and the soil and all that? Jesus begins to explain it to him. See, the kingdom of heaven is like this. We take the word of God to places and we share it. We share it everywhere. We give it indiscriminately. We throw it everywhere. You don't know who's going to hear it. You don't know what's going to take root. You don't have any idea. You just keep throwing seed. You throw seed everywhere you go. Uh. Peter's a little more interested in this story now with all these fish in the boat. Once they get to shore, it says, Peter left everything there and followed Jesus. It's his own business. Just left the business behind. There's another story about a boat. Jesus has been teaching and preaching. Along with his cousin, John the Baptist. But John the Baptist had preached a really gnarly sermon. About King Herod. And this adulterous affair he was having. And it cost him his head, literally. At this point, these fishermen are more than fishermen now. They're kind of like disciples, you know. And they're following Jesus around everywhere. And the story of John the Baptist circulated around. It got around to everybody, and they heard it. Like, John the Baptist was killed. You can be killed too, you know. I think there's a little nervousness going on. Jesus had been teaching some pretty... Some pretty uh, controversial stuff. I mean, people didn't really like what he was saying. The poor folks loved it. The broken people loved it. But if you had some sort of ego problem, you didn't like the fact that Jesus could collect a crowd, no, you didn't like Jesus' message. They need a, they need a break. Jesus hears about his cousin John who's been killed. And he says, I'm going to go up and pray. And he goes up to pray. He sends them out. Go on across the sea. I'll catch up with you later. The wind's blowing in, and they keep rowing and rowing and rowing and rowing. They're about halfway across the lake. All of a sudden, the wind has picked up. It's gotten dark. Splashing up against the boat. Everything is wet. These guys are suffering to try to get across to the other side. They got water in their eyes. They're tired. They're exhausted. They just keep rowing, calling out the count. One of them looks up. Hey, we must be close to shore. Why is that? I see somebody up there. What do you mean you see somebody? We're got to be two miles out. We're not going to see anybody. Somebody, somebody coming right to us. We must be pretty close. They all begin to look. It's funny. One of the gospel writers says, and they thought it was a ghost. That's interesting. Another one says, they thought it was a ghost, and they had decided not to let it in the boat. Let me ask you a question. 
I'm just curious, but how does one keep a ghost out of a boat? With an oar? With a whistle? With a... You splashing it? What do you do? How do you do that? Just, these guys are like, don't let the ghost in the boat. Yeah, because we were gonna. Yeah, let him in the boat. Let him in the boat. And then it got closer. He says, do not be afraid. It's, <laughs> this is great. It is I. I who? I don't know you. I don't know anybody who can walk on water. Nobody who can. What do you mean me? And then here's Simon Peter, always pushing the limits. If it's you, call me out. What? <laughs> you see the other guys in the boat? What are you, drunk? Hey, what are you, where are you going? Hey, if it's you, call me out. Jesus says, come. He says, Peter got down out of the boat and began to walk towards Jesus on the water. But then he saw the wind, which is an interesting phrase. I think he means the effects of the wind, massive waves, the squall that had come up, these swells. If you've ever been out in something like that, the massive amount of drop, you're talking 20, 30 feet, when the water goes down and comes back up, and here's Jesus just kind of moonwalking across the top, and Peter is there and seeing it, and in moments there's Jesus is there, and then Jesus isn't there, and Peter's taking steps towards him. Simon, Peter's taking steps towards him. He begins to see all this stuff. He wavers in his faith a bit, begins to sink. And it says, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. Took him to the boat. And immediately they made it to shore. He will convince you that you can do it. Call me. You want me to do it? Call me. See, there's this amazing thing about Scripture. The Word of God is living and active, John 6, 63. The Word of God is living and active. It is spirit and it is life. What Jesus says in John 6 is, um, the words I have given to you are spirit and they are life, meaning they create. When God said, let there be light, light became. When God says, come, you do. When God says, be strengthened. You become strengthened. And Simon Peter somehow grabs onto this idea and says, if it's you, call me. And Jesus says, come. Then the way must be made. All I have to do is walk. He will convince you. If you spend enough time with him, he will convince you that you can handle whatever's going on in your life. But you have to spend enough time with him to be convinced of that. Otherwise, you will not be convinced of that. If you don't spend that time, you cannot be convinced of the impossible. You have to be, you have to spend time with him. And when you do spend time with him, he will convince you. He will not just commandeer your boat. He will not just crush all your dreams in front of you. But he will also convince you of what you are and that you have a massive purpose in this life. Now, I tell you all that to tell you. Last week for Easter, we went over John 20. 
but the end is 21. And we need to take a read at John 21. Because you have to hear the end of the story. You understand that Jesus is resurrected from the dead. He has come back and he has appeared to to the disciples. Uh, Once without Thomas, once with Thomas. Peter has denied Jesus at this point three times. John chapter 21, after Jesus appeared to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, that's the Sea of Galilee, it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee uh, and two other disciples were together. <laughs> Peter said, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. I don't know about you, but I go fishing almost every day. It might be for just five or ten minutes, but I go almost every day. And it's a common phrase at my house. I'll come through the kitchen, and she'll be in the kitchen, and she'll say, where are you going? You know where I'm going. I'm going fishing. And sometimes when I'm happy, I go fishing, and sometimes when I'm sad, I go fishing, and sometimes when I need to think about stuff, I go fishing. Because fishing is but part of my whole process. And I kind of relate to this. Here they are. Jesus has come back. He's resurrected. He's kind of overwhelmed him just a little bit. He showed up. He keeps being invisible, disappearing and reappearing. And it's probably a little bit stressful, honestly, spending time with Jesus. Because he just, it's never enough time with him. And all this has just been so exhausting. Have you ever gone through something to where it really was not stressful at all, but there was so much energy about it that you're just exhausted? Not good, not bad, not any, just Ah, emotionally tapped out. And Peter in the group, they're all standing there. And it's been a while since Peter's been fishing, and they're sitting there. Man, all this spiritual stuff. And guys kind of get like this sometimes. This is a whole lot of emotion. We're dealing with a whole lot of stuff right now. Just a little bit all over the edge with some of this stuff. And they're all just kind of grinding their gears together, sitting there thinking. And Peter out of nowhere says, I'm going fishing. And everybody goes, yeah, let's go fishing. Let's go fishing. This is a terrible day fishing. Terrible. Didn't catch a thing. Not like that one time. Threw their nets out. Drug them around. Nothing. Headed back to shore. They look up and there's somebody standing on the bank. Cut that, that look on his face, you know. That's a lot of fish. Standing up on the bank. And who is this guy up here? And he yells to him, haven't you any fish? No. No fish. Sorry. And then the armchair quarterback fisherman standing on the bank, doesn't even own his own boat, yells out to the guys who own their own boat, and fishing company, by the way. Maybe try the other side of your boat. Who is this guy? You serious? I mean, just really think about it. If I'm fishing and I'm not catching any fish and you show up and you say, did you try over there? Let me tell you where I tried. Everywhere. Do you see the 
You see bobbers and rubber worms hanging in stuff? Yeah. I tried everywhere. That's why the creek behind my house looks like Christmas trees. You know? <laughs> Did you try right there? <laughs> Whatever. You just try right there in that one spot. Did you try the other side of your boat? Oh, yeah, that four-foot difference? Probably would be massive, huh? No, we didn't. <laughs> we didn't try that side of the boat. Try it. Hey, are you serious? We're seriously going to throw our nets over on the other side of the boat? Throw your nets over on the other side of the boat. Why? Because sometimes you just don't know. It's been too many encounters with Jesus that I'm not sure how he got in my boat. I'm not sure where all those fish came from. I'm not sure how he walked on water, how he made me do it. If a stranger yells to me, did you just try the other side of your boat? You know what? There's just enough weirdness in that. Might be him. Throw the nets on the other side of the boat. <laughs> Were they over there? John yells, it's him. It's him. Peter grabs his jacket. He's taking it off, ties it around his waist, <laughs> jumps in. This is beautiful. <laughs> jumps in the water and goes to swimming. It's about 100 yards out, Scripture says. They're dragging the fish, and Peter's swimming, which in my mind I would love to believe that the boat went just as <laughs> fast as Peter did. <laughs> he jumped out and started swimming for sure, and they're like, what are you doing in the water? <laughs> or you, why don't you? No, I'm, I'm swimming. Whatever. This dude is as weird as Jesus, you know? <laughs> it's just, they get there at the same time. Peter gives him a big hug. Simon Peter gives him a big hug. It's him. Jesus says to him, you want to have breakfast? Which, by the way, it's one of my favorite text messages, if you ever send me one on a Saturday morning. Want to have breakfast? My answer is always yes, I want to have breakfast, so... You want to go to breakfast on Saturday? Make sure you text me. You better be early. Don't try me at 9. I'll be done. Jesus says, you want to have breakfast? <coughs> Peter runs back to the boat and grabs all the fish, as many as he could, 153. In fact, I think is what Scripture says. Drags them all back, or some of them. They cook them and they eat them. He will not just commandeer, crush, and convince you. You know what else he'll do? call you. Do you know every one of us has a call on our life? We all have a call. Like he's got a mission, a job for you, like a purpose that you were created for. I wonder sometimes like how many times have I been so far out of what I was supposed to be doing, what I was created to do. And I'm just over here wandering around. Have you ever seen somebody in a position where they just don't belong? <laughs> have you ever seen that? Like a cowboy who somehow ends up in the mall? He's got spurs and the whole thing on. He comes walking through. You're like, going by the foot locker. This one, ching, ching. Doesn't make any sense. Or you see a guy like me on a ranch, you know? Like, am I going to need to change my shoes? We have a purpose. We have a call. He made us for something. 
he looks at Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? <laughs> Am I soaking wet? Did I jump in and swim? Of course I love you, Jesus. Jesus says, feed my lambs. Okay, Jesus. He says, Simon Peter, do you love me? Of course, of course I love you, Jesus. Take care of my sheep. Sure, Jesus. Simon Peter, do you love me? And at that, Simon Peter's heart just broke. Scripture says, because Jesus asked him three times. He confirmed him. He brought him back to that place. He connected with him. He said, I want you to know that I love you, that I care about you, that it's okay, that I forgive you, that you've been far away, that you've been doing other things, but now you're here. You ran off course for a minute, but now you're back, and I'm so glad you're back, and I want you to know i got a purpose for you. Do you know that that's true of you? You know what else is really beautiful about this story? We never see Peter in a boat again. Never goes back to the fishing boat. He let go of the security blanket and he never went back to the fishing boat again. He's completely baptized into this call on his life. Okay, Jesus, fine. I'm in. I'm 100% in. Here's my question for you this morning What is your boat? What is your boat? What are you in that you just do not want to climb out of, you do not want to let go of? You've got this thing, and you know good and well it does not belong in your life, but you cannot get away from it. And you know God's made it clear. He's made it clear. This is the path for you. And you keep saying, no, that's not the path for me. I'm not made like that. Are you going to get out of the boat? Just jump out. It's terrifying, Jared. It's terrifying. Oh, why? No. It's the worst. But guess what? It'd be a whole lot better than staying in, I promise you that. Peter never goes back. What's yours? What's your boat? What's the thing he's calling you out of, asking you to step out of? That's the thing we have to wrestle with. What is our comfort zone that needs crushed? What is that complacency that's in our heart that we just refuse to move out of. We just keep staying in that place. What is that thing? 